This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. It's the Blood Red podcast, courtesy of the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Diaz delights to see off the Seagulls as the Reds' title charge takes flight. Free flying gunners up next for the Reds. We'll be reviewing, previewing, predicting, and team selecting. To do all of that, we have the O Squires Big Jet Bradbury that will be lost on our listeners and our own dazzling deadline day recruit. Richard Garnett. Gents, I hope you are all well. Theo, I'll throw over to you first. 2-0 win down at Brighton. It's now eight Premier League wins in a row for Jurgen Klopp's men and the title race with 10 games to go is well and truly on. Yeah, it was a pretty routine one at Brighton, wasn't it? I think um, we that was pretty much what our predictions were before the game. It's one where a team that's struggling mid-table, you expect to go there and maybe get a 2-0 win. Uh, they did make it a little bit difficult for Liverpool, didn't they? They had a, a good start, Brighton. They were passing it around well, getting in behind the defence. But then as soon as the first goal goes in, I think everyone felt a bit more relaxed. You just knew Liverpool would have enough about them to get the job done. And like at Anfield, where they threw away that 2-0 lead. Um, bit of a scare, I suppose, on Salah's injury. Diaz, fortunately, uh, when he got clattered by Sanchez, was fine to carry on and just looked as exceptional he has every time he plays in recent weeks. And then Brighton, I think they finished strongly, had a few chances. Alisson had to make a couple of saves, but it's just what you expect, really. Routine, 2-0 win against the team that's going to be in mid-table. Title race goes on. Um, I think it's only, what, now two games in the Premier League for Liverpool until they actually face City in that decisive, potentially decisive game against uh, City at the Etihad next month. And even though that's a month off, that feels miles away, but it will sneak up fast. Um, And you think, depending how proceedings go at uh, City's game against Palace tonight, they have the chance to go potentially level if uh, everything works out well. Uh, it's down to the nitty-gritty business at the end of the season. Liverpool just need to keep getting the results. And when you're talking about winning eight in a row, getting clean sheets, it doesn't have to be spectacular as long as it's a job done at the end of the 90 minutes. And that was certainly the case on Saturday. Yeah, definitely. Sean, it was either Big Jet Bradbury or, or Mr Lems. Their headset, though, <laughs> took it in the end. But good to have you back on the pod. And I suppose regards... Liverpool and the title race, now with it being 10 games to go, I suppose fair to declare the race well and truly on a three-point gap as it is. Theo saying, obviously, Man City playing on Monday night, which is prior to, to us recording this, the pressure is well and truly over onto Man City. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice. I think the last couple of match weeks, it's felt like Liverpool have got their game in first, haven't they? And obviously have gone and done the job and, and put the pressure on City a little bit. I mean, yeah, fully fully expect City to, to pull through this evening, but be an interesting few days. I think, you know, Arsenal will come on to that game itself, but it's it's a big indicator, isn't it, of what Liverpool are going to be like in this run-in, I think, this game in midweek, because City away, it's probably the one game currently in Liverpool's calendar where you wouldn't necessarily have them favourites for. I think that's the big thing. You know, if you look at the title race, even any suggestions of, of FA Cup and Champions League, obviously the draw is later this week. We don't know who Liverpool are going to play in that yet, but Right now, of the fixtures that are there in the calendar currently penciled in, it's only that game at the Etihad where I wouldn't have Liverpool favourites going into it, you know, especially if the squad stays as, as healthy as it is right now and remains to be seen in terms of Salah exactly when he'll be back to, to full fitness and in the team again. But, you know, I almost think not necessarily that Liverpool should should be winning more trophies from this point. You know, you, you wouldn't necessarily have them favourites for any individual thing that they're in. But if they keep winning... There's currently no obstacles really in, in place to um, to derail their momentum. And, you know, they've got, they have got some tricky away games coming up, I think is one thing you have to say. 
Um, and the Etihad, obviously, chief amongst them in terms of the title race. But this against Arsenal, is a, it's just just feels like a not quite a dress rehearsal. You know, obviously, City, I think, are, are a better side. But looking at the form table, Liverpool, Arsenal and City, I think, over the last 10 have all taken 25 points. So, you know, if Liverpool could get a result on Wednesday... I think that's a massive marker in the title race. And, and obviously, you've got the FA Cup at the weekend. So, in terms of the league, regardless of what happens um, away at Forest on Sunday, Liverpool should be going into the international break full of confidence and you know ready to thrive in every single competition that's left. But, yeah, good good again at the weekend. And I think just, just on Brighton, what I'd say is it really felt to me like Liverpool were just clicking into gear, that kind of grinding consistency with flashes of quality not least from Diaz, who was absolutely superb, but it reminded me so much of the form, the, the kind of block of form that Liverpool put together when they won the title. It just felt like that again. I know Guardiola said similar about City and how he feels they are in top gear. Hard to argue with that when you've watched them recently, but I think Liverpool are right there and, and they'll push them all the way as things stand. Yeah, Jürgen's juggernaut very much looking as though he's getting back up to, to full firing. I, I suppose, Rich, when we look at the form table, I know it's eight Premier League wins in a row, but kind of even, even longer than that. I think last 17, 14 wins, two draws, one defeat for, for Liverpool. City earlier on in the season have already strung together their own 12-game winning run. I mean, obviously, we, we go back to what the 18-19 season and the culmination, the end of that season in how both sides were just winning following year, Liverpool go and do what they do at the start of the campaign. City can't keep pace. And last year, of course, the defensive injury crisis that Liverpool hit. But do you think perhaps the way it is now set up with both sides in such good form, even with 10 more games still to go, we could be set for, I suppose, the most dramatic and and, and best in terms of quality title race we have ever seen. Yeah, um, I think you. I think you're right. I think we, in terms of the actual quality of it and of the two teams going head to head, I think it could make for quite an unbelievable finish. And it's credit to Liverpool for for after having a bit of a blip, pulling themselves back into that position to to be able to uh, kind of uh, draw up side by side with City. And and, uh, and make sure that this this is actually a contest. And when we thought, you know, it wasn't that long ago, we thought it, it was all over. So yeah, I think it is going to be dramatic. I do. I find it incredible that the, you know that these teams can just continue to churn out win after win after win. It, it's certainly not how it used to be uh, back in the day, is it? You know, the teams used to win Premier League titles with I don't know seventy points and and whatnot. And now now you've got to be almost near perfect to even give yourself. Uh, I hope I've been with a chance of actually winning the title. But I looked at, um, you know, what games Liverpool had left. And, and, and you look at how many games there are, as you say, like 10 games left. And then you've got all the cup games around that and that as well. And you think to yourself, surely to God, they're not going to win every single one of those games. And you say the same for City as well. And that's why when Liverpool lost to Inter Milan last week, and but still advanced to the next stage of the competition... I just thought to myself, got to defeat out your system there, haven't you? You know what I mean? You, you, it refocuses gonna... the mind, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But if you were going to lose, if you've got so many games to play, if you're going to lose any of them, the one you want to lose is a game in which you still advance to the next round of the competition. On aggregates, um, you know, if, if, you, if you could pick any game to lose, it'd be 1 0 to Inter Milan, wouldn't it? So I feel like that maybe that's out the system now. They've picked up where they left off now. They've got a, a victory against Brighton. A very tough game on Wednesday, which I'm a little bit concerned about. But uh, then you look ahead to Man City. I think the key thing, you've got to be 
got to be still there, haven't you? Breathing down City's neck come come the time that they visit the Etihad. Um, and if they get a result on Wednesday and then follow up with, uh, I think it's Watford, isn't it, at home, um, they're going to be right there. And, and obviously, it's over to City then to determine uh, which team is going to be ahead when the two sides meet. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, definitely. I suppose, as you say there, then Liverpool can afford two more defeats this season in sort of quarter-final and semi-final legs of the Champions League, albeit the damage can't be too great. But we will have to, to wait and see, obviously, on that front, how things play out. But, Theo, just kind of a, a word from yourself on the title race, the state of it. As I say, 10 games to go now. It feels kind of the the quality of these two sides, that the slip-up, the telling slip, could actually have been something that happened in December, given the consistency these sides show. But all of a sudden, it feels now, the pressure just ratchets up a lot more, and especially on, on City now, having played sort of completely the other side of the weekend to Liverpool. That pressure only builds. Yeah, it's one way you could even take it back to the, the draw at Anfield. Liverpool given the lead away twice. Uh, two drop points, even though it wasn't a two drop points at the time, that, that could be costly. That's how tight the things are between these sides and this is how they push each other um you mentioned 18 19 that was the best example wasn't it it was half a season where city won 18 out of 19 games and liverpool they played more games for the majority i think they were ahead for the pretty much the entire run until city had that company wonder goal against leicester and you just sat there thinking they're going to drop points they're going to slip up at some point and this is going to be liverpool's league because they're the ones in the advantage you don't get as many points as they have without winning the league, but City were just exceptional. They went on that insane run and they were fully deserved champions that year. And now it's almost a role reversal. It's like, well, if Liverpool can win the league this year, it will be because they do did to City what City did to them a couple of years ago. And, and both managers have referenced this before, haven't they? How they drive each other on. They wouldn't be able to reach these heights if it wasn't for the other one. And we've been robbed of a title race like this the last few years. Like Liverpool had the injury problems last year, so we didn't get to see them go head to head. The year before, City had their injury problems and Liverpool had it won by what, December, January. This is the, the sequel to eighteen nineteen that we've been waiting for and hopefully will finally be delivered. Um, saying that, there's still two months of the season to go, plenty of football to play. Um, it could easily be Liverpool are what, level on points with City going there if they drop points going there. Or they could be losing to Arsenal and the gap's been established again. It's just so tight and every slip-up could matter. Um, we look at what results on paper, fixtures on paper. I think both of them have got games against teams right in that relegation dogfight before they play each other. Liverpool have got Watford, City have got Burnley. It's like, well, you say that's an easy three points for both teams, but you just don't know. We're at that stage of the season now where those teams desperately need the points. Uh, it's two sides are cool. Um, but that's why I said earlier, it's like it feels ages away this game against City. But it is going to sneak up fast because of the FA Cup taking away that extra Premier League game. It is going to be a case of there's only one game by the end of this week left before you're playing City. And it feels too soon to be a title decider when there's still going to be what, eight, nine Premier League fixtures left after it. Um, while it would be a very negative feeling for Liverpool if they left the Etihad, having dropped points, having lost, you think, oh, that, that City's league now, it's in the bag. Uh, it's one where they can't really let that play on their minds either because there is still a lot of football to be played that can turn it around and we've seen that in title races in the past like Liverpool had 13-14 where they looked like they'd had it one with three games to go um City and United when City's first league win when Aguero ends up scoring that late goal 
that chopped and changed a few times between the two sides, them and United, before it finally had that last twist. Hopefully this goes right down to the wire as well. Um, it'll certainly be an exciting one to report on, even if we can't quite take it, if it doesn't go Liverpool's way. But we'll see how things go. Uh, I've said on earlier podcasts, at the moment, the pressure is not on Liverpool. They are not expected to be as close to City as they are now compared to the situation they were in a month ago, six weeks ago. So that is testament to their abilities that they have got it this close again. They can just take it each game as it comes and see how close they are to City when it really matters. And hopefully they can come away from the Etihad next month having dealt a, a killer blow to them. But it's going to be one of the tightest title races we've ever seen as things stand. Theo says they're too too close to call. Theo, you might want to come back in this. Or, or Sean or Rich, anyone want to jump in to the direct question? I'm, I'm just going to ask the room. Anyone making Liverpool favourites? No. No, I, I don't think you can do that quite yet, can you? Um, no. I mean, it, it's probably really not even until until after the game at the Etihad where you can start you can start doing that. I think one advantage of, of how it is at the moment going into that game, I know that game is quite a way away, but right now, what I like, I do think Liverpool really find an extra gear in many ways when, when they are the underdog, you know, they're, they're, I, I, like, I like them as they are now, kind of chasing City down. And, and I agree with you, I think the, the pressure's on City to to keep it rolling. Liverpool have done really well to get back to this position, but it's, it is still unlikely. But what is good currently, if, if obviously, you know, <laughs> if you said right now Crystal Palace are going to win 3-0 tonight, I think every Liverpool fan would be pretty happy with that. But Liverpool have a bit of certainty right now in terms of, if, if the points stay as they are, or you know the, the the points gap stays as it is, going to the Etihad, Liverpool have to go there and win, don't they? I mean, well, it's in, in both sport. teams' hands, isn't it? That's the unique yeah, yeah, nature yeah. of it. It's both teams, and, and and that was why I asked the question because I, I know I'm here to ask the questions, but I put my <laughs> head above the parapet and say I make Liverpool favourites because of the point you make there. It, it, it's a in both teams' hands. They've got to go and play Man City. They win that, they can go ahead. But equally, for me, Liverpool have a better squad, all-round squad than what Man City do have this year. There's more depth there for, for Liverpool, in my opinion. And equally, the position they find themselves in at the moment, they are the chasers rather than the, the, the side being chased. And that means, as Theo said, the pressure isn't on Liverpool. And therefore, I would say the equation, for me, makes Liverpool favourites. I think, um, yeah, sorry, I think that does give Liverpool an advantage in terms that that, that pressure is all on City and Guardiola and... and and the, the extra pressures of the expectation of the money that's been spent and, and the fact that they're current champions and, and, and all those other things. Uh, uh, Liverpool, of course, buoyed by the fact that they're still fighting uh, for silverware on those other fronts as well, as, of course, City are. Um, but in terms of actually making them favourites, I don't think you can be favourites when the other team's got points in the bag. You've, I think you've got to... You, for me personally, you've got, you've got to be in pole position to, to be classed as a favourite. If they had three games in hand and they're all at home, uh, I might, might, might uh, agree with you on that. But I still think at the moment, City City are favourites and I'm, I'm quite happy for them to take on that role as well. The fixture list is going to play a huge part in it as well. Because if you look at what Liverpool have got left, they've got City, they've got Everton. Everton are fighting for every point they've got. And admittedly, they're not doing a good job of it. But that could be a different story in a month's time. You still have to play United at home. You still have to play Tottenham at home. Newcastle are looking very good now that um, they've got settled, had a bit of investment in the January period. And then there's a couple of mid-table table teams in there that aren't maybe fighting for much. Like Southampton could be in an FA Cup final and have a hangover period from when that game comes. But it's still a tougher run-in than when you look at cities. On paper, City, Liverpool is the toughest game. And then it's, well, 
Leeds Leeds should potentially be down. Like it's the same thing where a relegated side or a side in that relegated fight could up the ante. They could really put on a show. But anyone who's seen Leeds recently think they're just rubbish. They're not doing anything. They've got a few players back from injury, so that could change in a few weeks. And then they've also got Watford. There's like West Ham's in there, Aston Villa's in there. There's still many twists here. Like we could be talking on the last day of the season. Philippe Coutinho scores the goal that wins Liverpool the Premier League title. Steven Gerrard has finally won Liverpool a Premier League title. But then you throw in domestic cup, you throw in Champions League. Like Liverpool could end up having to play Chelsea twice, having to have extra time again against them in the quarterfinals, whereas City could go and get a cushy little job against Ajax or Benfica. And that could be roles reversal as well. I think another I think another uh, factor to throw in is when you look at the teams City have dropped points to, they've 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 dropped points to the same teams, as it were. They've they've lost to Tottenham twice this season. They've played Southampton twice and drawn both times with them. They've also obviously drawn with Liverpool and they lost to Palace. So if that's anything to go by, maybe tonight is is the opportunity to see City drop points. But other than that, they, they are pretty imperious. Well, Let's it's easy away. to make these uh, predictions when you're not a Liverpool City fan, isn't it, Guy? When you can just put oh, your, your neck on the chopping board in this yeah, but it is. But equally, equally, Theo, you, you've got to have the cojones, the bravery to, to, to put your, your neck on the line and, and make the, the shouts. I, I, I like the symmetry that you're drawing here, though. I'm a big yeah. fan of that. I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to hang on. It's the hope that kills you, isn't it? So I'm going to hang on to that. Yeah, everyone's going to be watching the, the, the Palace game tonight and biting away their fingernails. Don't send any complaints my and then way. they watch this on Tuesday and it's all out of date yeah. and you were just wrong. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nothing new there. Nothing new there. <laughs> Uh, let's talk, Sean, about Mr. Diaz. Luis Diaz, he was cleaned out by Robert Sanchez. How that wasn't a red, maybe you can allude to that as well. But what a refreshing player this this guy is. And I mean, he's, he's obviously now, I wouldn't say adding goals. He's only got the two, but nice to actually see him get his head in where it really did hurt and, uh, and get himself on the score sheet as well as having the dazzling feet to, for everyone to admire. He's just so impressive. He's such a natural fit for the team. And crucially, I'd say for the league as well, in terms of what we've seen so far, you know, he's he's a grafter, clearly with an abundance of quality as well. And I think that's the combination you need to thrive in Liverpool's front line. Every single one of them who've been there, you know, the, the, the staple front three and then Jota, they all have that those hallmarks. And I think looking looking back to the Brighton performance, like you say, Guy, the, the goal was excellent. It, it was good to, to see. I think that was his first start away from home in the league, wasn't it? And, you know, he gets his goal in it. But... Prior to that, I think we've seen like electrifying snippets of him so far, often at home, and you know, been impressed by how well he does when he's got a bit of space to work with and there's gaps to, to burst into in some of those cameos. But this game I thought was a bit different. It looked like he had a very specific tactical brief. He, he did attack space well. There was that one good surge and run, wasn't there? Where I think he laid on a chance for Salaru who put it wide, but he found space well and, and he created it. He did such good work in tight areas, showed an incredible first touch a few times willing to track back and battle, you know, that, that bit of fight to him, I think, is a massive bonus. I mean, again, you, you have that in spades with, with the guys up front. Like, Mane can be combative. Salah's aggressive in his own way. You know, Jota it can be a little snide at times as well. And clearly this guy's got it. But I, I just, I absolutely adore him. I mean, because it, it's an Arsenal special, I'll, I'll say this. But, like, th there was a game, I think it was the Leeds game um, at Anfield, where he didn't score, but 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 he played so well throughout and he was just like, there were, there were a couple of moments when he was like drifting forward on the left-hand side and cutting in where I got a little bit of a Thierry on revive. He was he was floating like Thierry and 
stinging like Luis Suarez, shall we say. So, two two big names to throw out there. And obviously, he's got a hell of a lot to do before he starts matching the output of those guys. But as as starts go, it's it's pretty impressive. And then j- just quickly on on the 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 non red card, I, I'm I'm still astounded. Like I, I might not be able to speak at this point because it, it, it was just kind of left me speechless at the time. It's not often I think that you see total unity in football across the punditry world and and all the fan bases. But I don't think I've seen one dissenting voice that said it wasn't a red. You know, it was just absolutely blatant. Like. I don't well, know who I was on. To the game. I was going to say I listened to the game on radio, and it was very much like, "Oh, that's a bad one." And I was waiting to see it, thinking, it "Must be a bad one if they've gone in on it that much." And then even seeing it was, pff, "Whoa!" Wincing at, at seeing it and just couldn't pure disbelief it wasn't a red. Honestly, it, it's crazy. And, and there was um, someone said on Twitter uh, as they shared the video of it, they said, "Just watch it in slow motion," and even slowed down. It looks like Sanchez is still hurtling towards him at full speed, and then makes this kind of juddering contact. You know, as like the, the pundits, I thought were spot on. You know, Rio Ferdinand on the game said it was it reminded him of something from WWE. And Crouch rightly made the point that it is the type of challenge that can seriously injure a player. And the only thing I can think is that they've applied some kind of bizarre logic of double jeopardy and thought, well, the goal is enough. But if that header had trickled wide, Sanchez 100% would have been sent off. But you know. Regardless of whether the goal went in or not, that could have been a nasty injury to Diaz. You know, a, a few inches either way in terms of where the lunge connected, and, and we could have been looking at something quite serious. So, um, yeah, I think it, I think it's been a bad few weeks for VAR's PR. Really, if you look at the Rodri incidents, obviously this one, and even yesterday the Chalaber on Murphy uh, in the Newcastle game. So, something needs to change, and, and you know, there's a, there's a significant body of evidence for it. Yeah, it's, it's a long-standing one, though, isn't it? Because it reminds me of ghost goal. When Petacek completely took out Milan Barros, I think it was it Dan Kay did a piece on Milan Barros this weekend, didn't he? So that, that was part of the reason why it's in my mind as well. But like that one, if Garcia doesn't follow it up and score, Petacek sent off in that game and Liverpool have a penalty. And it's like, well, it feels like there's this hole in the rules that no one's really quite sure what to do, whether it's a double jeopardy or not. And it, it doesn't happen very often. And then when it does, you just think, should that be a red card or not? It's like, well, the players already have, they've got the goal, they've got the advantage. You carry on. So if it was a booking, you call it back and you, yeah, you book him. But if it's a red card, you don't call it back. You just send him off there and then. But Liverpool have had the goal. There seems to be some weird hole in the rules there that they may be some look at. And maybe that's part of the reason that like the officials don't know really what they're supposed to do. But it's before VAR this as well. And you could tell it was a bad one when the, the commentators are talking back to, was it Schumacher in one of the, yeah, the World Cups? Say, yeah, Tony Schumacher on Patrick Batterson. That was the one that it reminded me of, was growing yeah. up watching kind of old World Cup videos of, of Spain 82 um, and that collision. You kind of think, oh, if ever that happened now, it would be a straight red straight away. Apparently not. Yeah, no, exactly. So... Yeah, no. maybe maybe the game hasn't changed all too much. But uh, Rich, on Diaz before we move on to the Arsenal game, just kind of on him and, and Sean says uh, Sean's kind of gushed over him and given his admiration just to how much he loves him. I mean, it goes some, doesn't it, to have a player come in into a strike force that already includes Sadio Mane, that already includes Mohamed Salah, Diogo Jota was the pinup boy for this season, and yet media and fans alike can't roll out enough superlatives to talk about Luis Diaz. Well, I, I think a lot of people, myself included, are, are really trying to be careful not to get carried away with him. He seems to have made that good a start. You know what I mean? He, as, as Sean's already said, he's literally just slotted in there. He's, he's talked to it like a duck to water. You know, he's, he'll, 
There was pictures of him in town yesterday, so they've only endeared themselves to support us even more with that now that we know he likes to get out and about. But I, I think, I don't know, like, to win a league, so you need a little bit of luck, don't you? And my understanding is that Liverpool weren't going to sign or try and sign Luis Diaz until the end of the season. And yet they've ended up having to accelerate that because of the interest of Tottenham. And all of a sudden, you've got this extra ace in your pack, uh, which has made a huge difference. And and if you're going to win the league in those 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 high levels and those high uh, performance levels of the front three that Liverpool have, have, have managed to maintain for such a consistent length of time, you've got to see that out right till the end of the season. So if there's injuries or uh, or if there's drop offs in forms, you've got to have the personnel there to be able, to be able to fill that void and carry on delivering the victories. And he just looks like he's got it. He's just he's just capable of doing that. Um, his, his acceleration with the ball at his feet is mind-blowing. You know what I mean? It, it, it really is. And he's shown, and with his goal, he's shown that he's brave. Uh, and he's still learning. You know, we got a ticking off from Klopp on the sideline for moaning about, uh, uh, for being dispossessed and when he thought he should have had a foul. He, has, he hasn't felt sorry for himself. He's just picked himself up and got on with it and, uh, and done as he's told, really. And, and despite, despite the fact that he's demonstrated that he, you know, he is a flair player. He likes to do things his own way. He's still capable of taking on instructions already. I've no idea what his English is like, um, but you know, he's coming to a new environment and 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 being able to just carry out instructions straight from the word go. I, I just people will be looking further down the line at you know what's happening with Mohamed Salah and his contract situation. How do you replace a player like Mohamed Salah? Have they already? Yeah, good question. Good question. You, you mentioned there, does he speak English? A brilliant quote from Jurgen Klopp after the game, talking about how he settled in so quickly, speaks Portuguese and Spanish, or he can do so with Fabinho, Diogo Jota, Roberto Firmino. Says he hangs out a lot with Harvey Elliott. Doesn't know how they communicate, but the two of them are hanging out a lot together. So that was a, a, a real good light note from Jurgen Klopp. Probably text speak. Emojis, yeah. Yeah, no, equally. They're probably playing Wordle together or something like that. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just just in terms of what you mentioned there about Tottenham as well, I think if, if title favourites Liverpool are to wrap this one up indeed, that Man City are going to curse Tottenham something rotten, aren't they? Because they wouldn't entertain bids for Harry Kane during the summer and then Tottenham go and negotiate the price for, for Liverpool in January and bang, Luis Diaz arrives at Anfield. So Don't forget yeah, that Harry Kane brace as well. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and, and two defeats to Tottenham, home, home yeah. and away, as we've already already referenced. Anyway, let's move on to the Arsenal game. And Rich mentioned there Mohamed Salah. So he got the, the second against Brighton. And Theo, ahead of the Arsenal game, he had to come off injured at the Amex and also not pictured in uh, in training on Monday afternoon. So I suppose for the first time, really, during his, his time at Liverpool, maybe bar the Barcelona 4-0, Liverpool sweating on the fitness of Mohamed Salah because he's so often just fit and available. That one went all right, though, didn't it? The 4 0 against Barcelona. But yeah, I'm quite happy with it being a, just a one off. It is a slight concern. I think um, Jurgen Klopp played it down and said Mohamed Salah wasn't really worried at the time. But when you don't see a player in training, um, we'll find out more tomorrow. But there have always, there's been a few this season where you could spot a player missing in training and they do go missing for a, a couple of games. Now, Salah, we, we know what he's like. He's got that Suarez mentality about him in that. He doesn't want to miss games. He will play through injury if he has to. And it's only, you have to force him off the pitch. You have to drag him off the pitch. He's always desperate to get his goals. If he hadn't scored that penalty, um, would he have wanted to carry him a little bit more to try and go hunting for those goals? Um, it's, you, you would have been more concerned about losing him for a one-off game, I think, before AFCON, 
before they'd signed Diaz. But now, yes, he's a big miss. He's the best player in the world and all this. But they've got Diaz, they've got Mane, they've got Jota, they've got Firmino, they've still got Origi, they've still got Minamino. None of them are as good as Mohamed Salah, but Diaz, Jota, Mane, Firmino, they have potential to get pretty close and provide, provide the goals. I'd make an argument that Salah perhaps hasn't been at his very best since he's come back from AFCON. Like, maybe that's just because of how good he was in the first half of the season when it felt like he was scoring every single game, like he'd scored two or three and just went on that insane run right up to what United when he got the hat-trick, maybe um, when he went to Goodison and got the brace. He was just incredible that first half of the season. It was similar to when Suarez came back from his ban in 13-14 and for half a season, he was just out of this world, scoring loads of goals every single week. There is natural to have a slight drop-off from that. And it maybe it is easy to say, oh, the contract negotiations in December and they, they haven't agreed anything. That's when the offer went in. That's when they've not agreed anything. And there's been a slight decline there or losing the Cup of Nations final. But he's still one of the, the best players in the world. It'd be a bit miss for any team. But like, we've all just been gushing about Luis Diaz. That does calm your nerves somewhat compared to what it would have been like when you think, oh, they've missing one of the star forwards. Might have to play Minamino or Origi here. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, it might calm your nerves. It doesn't mind given the coming <laughs> up. Sean, how significant a setback could this be for the Arsenal game in particular? Given Jurgen Klopp so often says he likes the players to have two training sessions ahead of a game, will he bend the rules? Will he make exceptions for Mohamed Salah? I'd, I'd be surprised, and I think the reason for that is just the you know the, the form of the other guys. Really, I mean, you know, Diaz, as we said, looks good. Has just got his goal. Jota, although clearly working his way back to fitness, still has recent previous with Arsenal, doesn't he? He's bagged a couple of goals in the Carabao Cup away from home there. Um, Firmino, I suppose, that th- there's a slight concern because he didn't even come on off the bench on Saturday, did he? So whether whether he'd throw him in. But um, Mane as well, you know, he, he, down the middle, I think he's he's looked very good. He loves a goal against Arsenal. I, I think... They all love a goal against Arsenal, Sean. Well, yeah, true, true. Um, it, whilst obviously not ideal, and, you know, you, you'd have much preferred him to get through this one and then have a bit of a breather, um, you know, going into the international break. I, I think that's that's the concern as well, isn't it? Because there's the Egypt-Senegal showdown over this international break, isn't there? So, you know, he, he's going to do everything he can to get fit for that. And if he isn't quite fit for that, but is, you know, 60 70%, well, he's going to go and play those games through hell or high water, isn't he? So Liverpool will have to take that into account. But I think specifically to focus on this game, this, this is... Part of the the upside of bringing Diaz in in January, isn't it? You know, it's he's he's ignited a, a trophy charge on all fronts, and this is the kind of game where you think if if everyone behind the front three does their job, then you know even without Mohamed Salah, I think Liverpool have still got a got a good chance. But it's going to be very difficult. You know, I think your boys guy are, are looking superb. You have to take your hat off to Arteta. I think on and off the pitch in in recent times, he's he's really moulding an effective and dangerous and quite likable unit. Um, think, you know, his stance over Aubameyang and the fact he's got Granite Jacker playing as a kind of sensible, level-headed midfielder in this really well-drilled 4-2-3-1 is, is, is really positive. So, yeah, big, big test for Liverpool. Doesn't help that Salah isn't going to be there, but I, I think it's one they should just about still pass. Yeah, no, definitely looking kind of at the, the form as well, Rich, ahead of this game. I mean, when, when you look at it for both sides, 
both bar the Inter Milan game for, for Liverpool. I think Liverpool had something crazy like 14 games since that, that Carabao Cup first leg game at, at Anfield and have gone on a brilliant run. Only they've won 12, drawn one with Chelsea, albeit won the, the Carabao Cup and, and lost against Inter. Arsenal, on the other hand, have lost that return leg. But since then, have put together a five-game winning run in the Premier League and before that drew with Burnley. These are two sides bang in form who are going to be meeting. Yeah, make no mistake. I don't think this is going to be an easy game for Liverpool at all. Um, it's not a particularly easy place to go. That the turn things around quite significantly at Arsenal. They're now looking like a good unit. I watched a bit of the game on on Sunday. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Lacazette. I, I just think he's a real. He's such a hard working player and, and a team player. He might not might not get all the headlines necessary all the time, but. I, I could actually see a player like him in a Liverpool side. I think he's struggling to get in the in the, in this current one, but you know, uh, you know, in the, in the same way that Bobby Firmino brings something different to the game in terms of what, the players that he brings in around him, he he seems to do the same as well. And and the likes of Saka are, are, are benefiting benefiting from it, and Odegaard behind him. So, I, with that in mind, I think Liverpool are going to have to think about how they uh, can defuse what. Arsenal have got in terms of uh, attacking options and whether that's going on the front foot just to try and try and blitz him off the pitch. Uh, don't know. It depends how confident he's feeling, really. But uh, it's 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 a, it's a tough game. I think if Liverpool passed that examination, come away from there with three points. Uh, I, I might just edge a tiny little bit closer to your assessment, guy, that they are actually Premier League favourites. But I'm uh, certainly not shifting um, the position just yet. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tight one. It is the game in hand, but a game in hand both sides need to win. Liverpool for title ambitions, Arsenal for, for getting into the Champions League. Theo, I suppose if Mohamed Salah isn't there, and let's bring it back to, to him and his contract, I suppose there is a player on the pitch who may well, can't believe saying this as an Arsenal fan, be under audition for Liverpool with Jurgen Klopp being a known admirer. Bakayo Saka goes into the final two years of his Arsenal contract this summer. And I suppose if, if Salah's not around, not going to stay around forever, is there maybe any more comparable kind of player, certainly with the ball at his feet, than Bukayo Saka in the Premier League that Liverpool could look at? I was wondering where you were going with that for a minute. I thought you might have mm. been bringing in Martinelli. They've got a few. No, no. Well, after, after, I was going to say after the Carabao Cup game, yeah, Klopp was waxed a miracle about him as well, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what I've liked that Arteta's done with the Arsenal team. That The fact that he was willing to get rid of Ozil, he was willing to get rid of Aubameyang, and I know Rich has just gone in uh, big on Lacazette saying how he rates him, but he looks like he's going on a free in the summer as well. But they're, they're not worried about losing these big names. They've got these talented youngsters and Saka is definitely the best of the bunch. Um, I put it on the Euros and he was exceptional for England there. He was one of the real star players and it was a shame for him that he had that hard moment in the final that he was one of the ones that missed the penalties. That He was the one who was asked to take it in the first place when he was so young. But then when you see how the likes of, say, Rashford or uh, Sancho, they, they miss the penalties and they've not had the best of seasons. Granted, it's not been easy at United, but Saka's just got right, going to make up for lost time, going to bounce back from that. It doesn't uh, have to hold me back. And he's come back so much stronger than he's having a great season for them. And he's certainly come on leaps and bounds. Like he's, You'd say their go-to attacking player at the moment. Like If Saka plays well, Arsenal play well, you just get on the ball, let him run at defences and he'll get you a goal or he'll get you an assist. And he's still so young as well. He's like a player that you could see in Liverpool side easily. And it's what he wants to do. Does he feel ready to move on? Because he is still so young. 
and maybe if you did go to a Liverpool side or someone like that, Man City, for example, as well, you wouldn't be starting every week. And is he at the stage of his career where he needs to be starting every week before he makes that step? Would it hold him back? We've seen it happen to players before. But then he could just thrive in surroundings with the higher quality players that we have seen in the past. He's certainly someone I'd love to see at Liverpool one day. But then if Arsenal get into the top four this year, maybe that's enough to keep him around. Maybe this is their revival. That's how it all started for Liverpool, wasn't it? Got into the Champions League for 17-18, managed to sign Salah and Van Dijk, got to the final, then won it, then won the Premier League. You should be happy here, Guy. Arsenal could be back. Yeah, I'm not getting carried away. I'm not getting carried away. Uh, Sean, how, and, and I suppose on that, how flattering is it looking from a Liverpool perspective when actually the way in which Arsenal have built, albeit Mikel Arteta's links to City, have very much been looking to follow the Liverpool mould almost, having these two wide forward attackers, Allah, Salah and Mane, Thomas Partey, kind of having that Fabinho role of holding the midfield and a transformative centre-half signing, albeit nowhere near the presence of Virgil van Dijk. But Ben White has kind of played the Joel Matip role, but he has been helping build a partnership there in defence that all of a sudden and a goalkeeping signing that's transformed things. It's very much kind of uh, looking to replicate Liverpool more than City from the former City assistant. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's there's a bit of both really, isn't there? You know, um, like you say, he's, he's he's blended the elements of Pep that he that he learned at first hand, and and certainly in the in the sense of the kind of inverted wide forwards who come in and do so much damage from their wings. I feel like they're a little bit more tucked in. So yeah, like you say, that perhaps is a is a touch more Liverpool than City. But I think a lot of it is just what you've really got to do to thrive at the top level of the Premier League, isn't it? And you know, I think um, fullbacks as well. I know we, we talked about Tierney previously on pods and compared him to Robbo and, and, and other fullbacks, but you know he's he's a, he's a good talent. I think Tommy Asher as well. Never seen him play, been impressed by him. Uh, a good all round player. So yeah, I think he just it does look like there's there's a very sensible plan in place in terms of technique and attitude. I think crucially, as we've said, you know the the, the bad apples, the ones who are maybe a little bit disruptive in training and around the squad, have been shipped out. And and like I said before, you know. There was a run, wasn't there, like about five or six games ago where Zaka was literally getting booked or sent off every game. And, you know... As he did at Anfield. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it just feels like he's he's buying into what they're trying to do now, playing with, in a much more level-headed manner. I think Odegaard as well is probably the only man we haven't mentioned so far in terms of the attack. It, he, he's looked excellent, you know, very dangerous whenever he's on the ball. So, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be exciting. I'm, I think someone said, there was a tweet the other day saying... Um, the last time Liverpool and Arsenal were jointly top of the form table or, or were, were, were in this good form in the Premier League, it was before that 4-4. So, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to see what to expect on Wednesday. But, yeah, I think there'll, there'll certainly be a few goals. Both teams will score. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, whoever's able to stay on top and, and get the best chances or hopefully nick it. Well, where's Andre Arshavin when you need him? Sorry, no, I'm hosting a Liverpool podcast. A mid-season arrival, he plays off the left, scores four. Luis Diaz, eh? Maybe might be the man. But Rich, as well as what Sean was saying there to whet the appetite, I believe I'm right in saying it's the highest scoring game in Premier League history. I suppose, looking at it, they say styles make fights. This this could well be one that we see plenty of goals in. You watch it, I'm going to be nil-nil now. Yeah, I've already had the this year, haven't we? That was at Anfield. It's fine, we got it out of the system. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's the only one then. Um, yeah, there's been all kinds of uh, ding-dongs with Arsenal now, over the years. I remember the uh, 4-4 uh, at Anfield, which basically ended Liverpool's tight lopes, I think, that, that particular season. Um, but, 
the thing is, Liverpool can go a goal behind and still win a game, and that, that that's an important thing. And and they may find themselves in a position where they, they need to do that. Um, and he's got enough options at his disposal uh, to be able to switch things around if he's not getting enough joy out, out of whatever he whatever he goes with um, initially. But the, I, I, this is there's no bones about it. this is a key match. I think this Arsenal game they, they look if you Liverpool haven't got the easiest running. I think I do think City's uh, running is a bit more favourable to Liverpool. That's another reason why I don't make Liverpool favourites. But um, this is I think this is the first real examination of whether they've got the minerals to to actually get this job done and, and overtake a, a, a powerhouse like Manchester City. If they, if they come through this test. Um, it, the, the confidence is going to flow through the side. If it wasn't high enough as it, as it is already, it's just going to continue. And just on a wider point, if we can say, Guy, um, obviously Liverpool are still in the Champions League, they're still in the FA Cup. Manchester City is still in both these competitions as well. And I think secretly that kind of suits both sides for the other teams to go as deep as possible into these competitions, certainly to the semi-final stage, I think. Because it just it just keeps the number of games and the and, and the spread of the focus uh, quite broad uh, leading up to the finale and then and obviously from a Liverpool perspective you hope that that that, that then tips in their favour um, right at, right at the last minute but um, yeah exciting times. I thought I'd pushed you enough to say there get through this test and it's on but you just refrained nice. at the last moment. Yeah. I've been stung by that before. Many years ago, Liverpool went to uh, Old Trafford in the FA Cup. I think it was, I think it was late nineties. Michael Owen scored in about the second minute or something like that. And United were piling on the pressure late on. It was in the, uh, the Liverpool end. I think they hit the post on about the ninetieth minute. And I turned around and I said, "It's our day," and they ended up losing two one about three minutes later. So yeah. I've, uh, uh, I know to keep me counsel after that. Uh, you know, it's a harsh lesson. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Anyway, let's get into our team selector then, ahead of the visit to the Emirates to take on Arsenal. And, uh, well, Alison Becker will be between the sticks for the Reds. Theo, defence, what are we thinking? Uh, same old, same old. Trent, Matip, Van Dijk and Robertson. Um, you got the FA Cup game on the horizon. That's the one where you put in Simicas, Gomez, Canate. It's a big game for Liverpool. They need the three points. It's the game in hand. It could be a crucial three points. You go for your strong back four that is keeping all these clean sheets. I'm going to say Canato was back in, in training, Sean, and I felt compelled to ask, does he get in? But how disrespectful to February's Premier League Player of the Month would that be? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think Mrs Matip would have something to say about that on Twitter, wouldn't she? <laughs> if, uh, if he was dropped, yeah, no, totally agree with Theo. I, I don't think there's any way you can really make a case for anyone coming in and, and disrupting that back line. It's doing so well. So, yeah, same for me. Six clean sheets in these eight wins, Rich. You're going to go along with this, the back four being the back four? Yeah, it used to be Arsenal's back four that picked itself, didn't it? Along with the goalkeeper. And I think that's the same here. Yeah, no change from me. Exactly the same. Yeah, fair enough then. So so Trent, Matip, Van Dijk and Robertson, the best, the second best, sorry, Scottish fullback will be on the uh, the pitch. Anyway, Theo, what about the, uh, the midfield? Come back around. Uh, Fabinho, Henderson and... Tiago, Tiago's back now. We had a good twenty minutes against Brighton. You can come in to start this one, but again, you've got the FA Cup game on the horizon. That's the one you're rotating. You can go strong in this one. Yeah, it looks as though Sean, we're picking the the side that played in the Carabao Cup final there or thereabouts. Yeah, I think this could be quite boring until we get to the attack because that's exactly the, the same midfield I'd go for. I don't 
really see the argument for anyone else. Thiago came on and got his minutes in the, the weekend. You've got to play Fabinho in the holding midfield role. And yeah, Henderson on the right, I think, with uh, with Trent, especially because Salah isn't there. I think you need that. You need as much familiarity on that right-hand side as you're going to get. And, and Trent and Hendo are the, are the ones who can provide it, given there's going to be a new face um, on the right-hand side of the front three. Spoiler yeah, alert. Yeah, no, I think... I think... Going to, to the Emirates last year, Rich, Liverpool won 3-0, absolutely starved Arsenal of possession. And key to that was that man, Thiago, in the midfield. Does he make your three? <sighs> right. Fabinho and Henderson are in, OK? And I've got Keita forward slash Thiago. It's the only, only question mark for me. Um, and and the, the and if you asked me this, like, literally two weeks ago, I'd have just said Thiago and there'd be no... I'd have probably written his name down first and then put the other two down. Just got a slight question mark over whether he starts the match. I'm a bit worried about Arsenal coming on at Liverpool and, and Thiago, who's a phenomenal footballer. Has he got, I don't know, when when a team attacks or plays that ball in behind, does he sometimes get a little bit caught high up the pitch? I might be being a bit overcritical here. So just in the interest of being different, I'm going to say Keita. I think it's interesting, though, because that, that right-hand side of the Arsenal three is Martin Erdegaard, who's by far the most offensive one. The left-hand side of Liverpool's is normally the most offensive one as well. And Arsenal do play it wide, that, that three-man midfield. So we'll be asking a lot of Fabinho to get out of there, get out there all the time. So may want a bit more solidity. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But Theo, what's, what's your, your front line? Um, Diaz on the left. And then I don't think Salah's going to make it. Maybe he's shows enough to get on the bench, but you don't want to risk him if he is properly hurt. Um, and then it's it's Mane or Jota. I'm not sure which one goes central because Mane's been doing so well central, but he looks maybe a bit more natural on that right-hand side compared to Jota. Um, Firmino, he's got a great goal-scoring record against Arsenal, but it does feel those injuries have seen him drop down the pecking order this year, so it will be Jota and Mane. But I'll leave in Klopp's hands to choose which one of them starts where. It's uh, yeah. beyond my pay grade, that one. Marley didn't do a bad job on his debut on the right-hand side at the Emirates, did he, Sean? And, uh, well, Diogo Jota in the Carabao Cup was through the middle, so who knows? What, what are you thinking? Yeah, really tricky. I think, as Theo says, it's it's who you play in the middle that, that's the, the real decision. Diaz, yeah, I think starts on the left. Bit of a surprise package in terms of not having played them before. I, I did the other day think, on the last pod, say that Firmino could well be thrown into this one, but... That was partly in the expectation that he'd get at least some minutes on Saturday. So I think that's looking much more like he'll play next weekend now and then hopefully be raring to go for Liverpool again fully after the, the international break. Yeah, I think I'd just side with that. Mane on the right and Jota through the middle. But um, hopefully a bit of rotation can uh, cause some confusion, get some goals. Yeah, Rich, are you agreeing with the front three? Uh, I'm agreeing with who's in it. Diaz on the left. I don't think I agree. don't think Salah. Will make it. Um, Mane's obviously had a few down the middle. I mean, Jota looked great down the middle, didn't he? So it is tricky. And obviously, Mane's played on the right before. I think Jota came on for Salah in that position as well, didn't he? I, I don't know. He might, again, may, it's, uh, I've got a feeling he might go with Mane down the middle. But it, it you know, <laughs> doesn't really matter, does it? He can swap. It's not working. He can swap it after 10 minutes if he wants. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm just a prediction, nothing more. Um, I'd say I'm gonna say Mane down the middle of Jostler on the right. No, fair play. What about result predictions then, Theo? What's the score gonna be? Um, 2 1 Liverpool. 
Sean? Yeah, I'm going to say that exactly the same. A classic 2-1, the, the successor to that. One of the best games I've ever been to, I'd say, where um, Alonso and Mella scored and, and Vieira for Arsenal. <laughs> that hit. That hit. Anyway, Rich? Just to be clear, I don't think I could take the drama of um, Naby Keita coming up with a Mella-type moment uh, <laughs> late in injury time. Um, but, you know, well, I'd probably take it, but it meant the three points. But uh, I would probably agree with Theo, actually. I think 2-1 uh, as well. Yeah, I'm just waiting for Arsenal to, to not get absolutely rolled over in one of these games. So I'll be praying for a 1-1, but that is what it is. Anyway, that's all we've time for on this edition of the Blood Red Podcast. Thanks for joining myself, Guy Clark, Theo Squire, Sean Bradbury and Rich Garnett. That's all we've time for. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.